As you can see, we're at the table. My name is Josh Sowers. I'm the associate pastor here at Hope Church. And as you can tell, there's a couple of people that aren't here today. And at Hope Church, we believe in working hard. We believe in putting in a lot of time and a lot of effort. We also believe in making sure that we rest well. And this weekend was probably the first full weekend in a long time that our pastors, Wes and Diana, have taken an actual Sunday off to relax, to re-energize, to recharge, to refresh, and to focus inward on the first ministry of everyone, and that's their family. So, uh, yeah, as you can tell, I haven't been to CrossFit in a couple of months. I'm out of breath from coming up the stairs. So, uh, I dropped a CrossFit bomb. Yes, I did. Well, guys, let's do this. Before we actually get started, let's pray, because I know that we had an amazing time of worship, but I want to continue that and foster that moment of worship before we get into at the table, before we talk a little bit more about what we're going to learn today, about what we learn at the table. So there's two things I'd like you to pray for. One, I'd like you to pray for yourself and your neighbor. And I know this sounds weird, so just bear with me for a second. So I'd like you to pray for yourself that God would soften your heart and open your ears to hear the word and the message that he has for you today. I would ask that you pray for your neighbor to soften their heart, to open their ears, so that God would be able to permeate that message in and through them. And then I would ask you to pray for me, because just like you, on every single day, everywhere you go, there are trials and tribulations. There are things that come up against you. The moment that you walk into the door before you go to work or before you do something that's going to be amazing for God, you can hear these little voices that say, you're not good enough. They're not going to listen. They're not going to show up. You're going to be preaching to the walls. And then you have to fight those because we do stand for something amazing because God is in us as Christians, as followers, as believers. So would you pray with me? We're going to pray silently for a second and then I'll lead us through a prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I stand before you as your humble disciple. Father, I ask that you use me today. Empty me completely of me. Father, take out every thought, every word, every attitude, and every action that is Joshua. And fill me, empower me, energize me, and speak through me, through the person, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. God, I ask that as you gather people here today, and as you gather them online, and as they listen later, that you continue to encourage them and empower them. Father, clear all of the things that they walked in here with. Father, take the baggage from them. Open their eyes. Open their hearts. Soften their hearts so that they can hear what it is that you want to say to them. Father, for those who don't know you today, I ask that you just soften their souls. Allow them to hear the message of love. Allow them to get to know you. Father, most importantly, I ask that you take down the barriers of who we think you are as Father, as Son, and as Holy Spirit, and draw us closer and closer to who you are and fill us with your fullness. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, so uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about at the table. Now, as you can see, this is kind of a nice little table. It's set up kind of pretty and nice, and uh, I will tell you, we're going to go through what these mean. I'm going to catch you up if this is your first week, and yes, I have a hanky because I'm going to start sweating in a few minutes. 
that's what that is. All right, so um, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about what we learn at the table, but I want to talk more about um, what we believe here at Hope Church. So at Hope Church, the reason why we're talking about at the table is we believe after the resurrection, Jesus, of course, after the resurrection, he came down off the cross, he was buried, he rose again on the third day, and then he stayed on earth, he stayed on the planet, and he was walking with us and walking with the disciples for about 40 days before he ascended up into heaven. But we believe that when the cross came down, the cross went from this stance to this stance. So now we have a cross that is the table. And we believe that the cross, which is calling people to Christ, is actually more of a table where we can invite people to get to know him. And so we believe that the cross was turned into the table. We also believe that Love is the language that is spoken at the table. And get this, not only is love the language that's spoken at the table, but love is the meal that is served at the table. And because of love being the language and the meal that's served at the table, we believe that there is room at the table for everyone. And there's room for more, always room for more. One of the greatest things I remember as a child is always having dinner at my grandparents' house. And not just on holidays, but every day. Like when I was a kid, believe it or not, I was a little kid that used to run and eat a lot. And I would run to grandma's number one and eat, over to aunt's across the street and eat, and then over to great grandma's and eat, and then I'd come home and eat with my parents. So you can imagine the kind of kid I was. Yeah. So stay puffed wasn't a word back then, but it, we get it. <laughs> We also believe that everything you need is at the table. Everything you need is at the table. And this sounds awkward to some people because we have to remember that what you need and what you want are two different things. What you desire, if it's for God, it's for the will of God, it's going to expand the kingdom of heaven, then absolutely you're going to find it at the table. But what you need is at the table because what we do is we come together at the table. We preach at the table. And so these are the things that I want you to remember. So let's talk a little bit about these different chairs here at the table. And as you can see up there are the notes. So here's what I ask you to do. Um, if you haven't been here or if you're coming back because it's been a couple of weeks, what I'd ask you to do is take a picture of that slide, that screen, write it down, take some notes because this is really important uh, that you can go back and listen to all of the different podcasts from Pastor West before and start to connect the dots with this. But let's talk about these chairs. So there's a reason why there are chairs in order here at the table. So can I, can I teach you guys for a few minutes? Can I like preach for a few minutes? Are you guys okay with that? You all right if we get a little, ah, a little wild? Shake you up a little bit. All right, now, I heard that in the back. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so there's always a head of the table. And in most families, it's the patriarch of the, of the family. It's the father, the grandfather. It's the, it's the person who is in charge, the person who takes care of us. It's, you know, it's a daddy situation. I fall and I get hurt, and daddy's there to help me. So daddy always gets the chair. And in this table, this head chair is for the Savior. This is for the Savior, the Savior of the world. This is Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. This is the Son of God who was sent to save you and to save me. This is the head chair. This is the Savior. Chair number one is for our seeker. The seeker is the person who comes in here and doesn't really know what's going on. Maybe this is their first time ever in church. They've never met Christ. They don't know who Jesus is. It's funny because when we walk around on, on earth, before we understand who God is, before we have a relationship with him, um, we always think that he is lost. And it's funny how we say, I found Jesus. Well, guess what? He called you out of that grave, and he's right here next to you. There's a personal 
position of a seeker. The seeker is being drawn to the table because they're attracted to the table. They're attracted to the people of the table. They're attracted to the dish and the love and the language at the table. The seeker is coming, and they don't even always know why they're coming, but they're coming to the table. And then after a split second, sometimes after months, years, sometimes a moment, a person makes a decision, and they come to seat two. Seat two is a seat of salvation. So we have the head is for the Savior, the seeker is seat one, seat two is for salvation. This is for the person who is saved, who's accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The person who has come to that place where they have finally said in their heart, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He is the Savior of the world. He came to the earth to save me. They believed in their hearts and they confessed with their mouths that Jesus was Lord, the risen Savior. Now, the transition between seats two and three, as Pastor Wes has shared, is, is something that can take a while. For most of us, it, it takes a long time. It's what we call a maturation period or maturity period. It's a time when we're learning to grow, kind of like you don't grow up overnight. Rome wasn't built in a day and all of the different things that we can say about that. But this takes time. It takes intentional time to go from seat two to seat three. Seat three is what we call the scent seat, the scent seat. Sent means they're living sent. They're living on mission. They're living according to the Great Commission. Jesus, one of the last things he told his disciples before ascending to heaven was to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that he has commanded us, and then teaching them to do it again. And he reminded us, hey, guess what? I'll be with you to the end of age because he's right there at the table with us. Now, today we're going to talk more about this person right here. We're going to talk about not how this person gets here, but we're going to talk about what they do. You see, each one of these people has a role. The, the Savior of the world is the Savior of the world. This is the creator of the heavens and the earth. This is Jesus. And he is waiting and calling and teaching and loving, and he's guiding and he's serving love to all of us. And this is the seeker, as I said. The seeker has a role here, too. Their role is to learn and to dig in and to try to understand and this person here, this, this, is, this is the salvation seat. This is the exciting seat. This is the seat where somebody goes, I love you, Jesus. This is the seat that they realize that their life has just changed. This is the salvation seat. And then this is the seat of humbleness. And this is where they begin to grow. And they begin to cultivate relationships intentionally. This is the seat that invites people to the table. And it's because of this seat that we can move seats over. It's because of this seat that we allow more room. It's because of this seat that everyone gets to slide around the table and it makes room for more. Because it's not just about Hope Church thinking there's more room at the table. It's about the kingdom of God. There's more room at the table. Friends, as followers of Christ, it is our job. It is our calling to invest in our time with God and to invite people to the table. Now, when you look at this table, as you can see, and I did block it a little bit, but you can bear with me, you saw that it was kind of, it's kind of pretty. It's set up, if you could see it from my angle, you would see there's four plates. There's dinner plates, there's salad plates, there's forks and knives, except for one person, they don't get to eat, but that's okay, that's what happens. 
It's the same at my house. We're always fighting over forks. Who gets one? Hey, there's one in the dishwasher. I've got to wash it. Yes, you've got to wash it. Okay, so that's how it is at the house. Uh, but you've got it set up. It's pretty. This is the table that everybody wants to come to. This is Thanksgiving table. This is Christmas table. This is Easter table. This is the table at Ruth's Chris. Can I hear somebody? Amen. Woo! Come on, somebody. All right. Yes, I'm getting hungry. And, and uh, yeah, so I see why this happens to Pastor West, because you look at this, you start getting hungry. So this is the pretty table. This is the one that everybody wants to be at. This is the table that people see when they come to your house for the first time. This is the table that you bring your first-time guests to. But this isn't the table of our real lives. This table represents the surface. It also represents what it could be. I'd like to believe that this table represents what the kingdom looks like. This is the table of Jesus. But what about the table where you sit at the head? What does it really look like? Because as we peel back the layers of this table, we're going to see something different. When we peel back the layers of your table, will we see the cross? Will it be bloodstained? Will it be founded and rooted on Jesus. So what I'd like you to do is just for a moment, I'd like you to come on, um, we're going to play this video for a second. Um, when it starts, I'd like you guys to, to put your attention up here for just a minute. Watch this video. It's a couple of minutes. Bear with it. Don't watch the man behind the curtain up here because I'm going to do a, a quick set change. But while I do that, I want you to watch this. And here's what I want you to look for in this video. I want you to look for the nice tables, okay, the tables that you see at Haverty's or places like that, the tables that you have maybe at your house, and then I want you to try to identify the tables, maybe what your table really looks like when you're not expecting company. So let's take a look at this. Outside looking in, this is where grace begins. We were hungry, we were thirsty, with nothing left to give. Oh, the shape that we were in. And just when all hope seemed lost, love opened the door.
right, so I hope that you were able to uh, at least connect with one of those tables in some way, shape, or form. That song, by the way, is by Sidewalk Prophets. It's called Come to the Table. It's an amazing song, and I just want to tell you that I love it. It was just perfect for this message today. But I'm going to reveal a little something to you because, you know, I want you to take a look at what my dining room table looks like uh, when I've learned to trust you and allow you into my home. This is what it looks like on any given day. So there's junk, there's clutter, there's cups. Yes, my kids don't put their cups in the dishwasher, um, and we have to tell them a hundred times. My coffee cup is probably ten of them there. And then, of course, there's the books. Um, and the, the book that Wes talked about the other day, the exegetical process, how to exegesis the scripture. And so these are all things that you'll see at my dining room table because this is what it looks like 99% of the time. And in our own homes, we have our own look. Sometimes it's always pretty because we actually have messy desks or maybe we have a messy room or maybe we have a messy spot. For guys, usually it's a desk, it's the, it's the table, or sometimes it's our shed in the back with all of our tools. It's a wreck. But at the end of the day, that's our table. That's where we gather. Now, for us, this is kind of a snapshot of our table. Now, it's a, as you saw the picture of my family up there, you probably thought that was Jesus sitting at the table. That's our oldest son, Hunter. Uh, he was going through something. I don't know what that was all about. Wooly mammoth, bring it back. I, I have no clue. But, uh, but needless to say, he looks totally different now. Um, but it wasn't Jesus at that table other than through the Holy Spirit with us. Um, but here's a look at the, at the table. And I want to share with you this little point. When you come to my table, the one thing I want you to understand is my table is different. There's going to be crumbs. There's going to be smudges. There's going to be stuff spilled. There's going to be sticky stuff from food three days ago um, because somebody didn't do their chore stick. And parents, if you want to know about that, we'll talk afterwards. All right? And, and then there's, there's, there's these marks, these nicks. There's a little spot where the cat decided she was going to go with that crazy nail, the demon nail that they have that comes out of their arm. And so there's all kinds of stuff in my table. But the thing about my table is my table isn't just a place that we eat. It's not just a place where I study and the kids study. It's not just a place where Victoria sits and tells me we got to get this thing cleaned up. Um, it's not just about that. My table is where we talk. It's where we share meals together. It's where we talk about our days where we share stories. It's where we cry together. It's where we hurt together. It's where relationships are built. At the table of my house is where we can come together and pray together. It's where we can learn about God together. And it's most importantly where we come as a community in a time of brokenness. So at the table, we learn to build community. And one of the first things at, at the table when we're building community that we learn is we learn this at a, a very young age. This is kind of instilled in us. And so it's really about who you were and how you were raised. But that doesn't put a barrier up to who you are in Christ Jesus and who you can be. So what I want to recommend is that you do this. Think about a time that you were at the table and you had an amazing story or you shared an amazing thought. And here's one thing I can share. At the table... There, I'm going to be transparent and vulnerable with you guys for a minute. Are you okay with that? We ready for it? Okay, I'm letting you into my life. You already see the mess of my table, so I might as well give you all the dirt. Can you handle it? All right, come on, church. All right, so here we go. At the table is where I heard stories from my grandfather about how crazy my dad was and how he did all these things and he rode motorcycles and he skipped school and he used to wear this Indian headdress and he was part of the, uh, the Boy Scouts and slash Indian Scouts slash all this stuff up in Pennsylvania, how he used to run out in the snow only wearing part of his clothes. He was 
silly. He was crazy. That was my dad. And it's also at the same table where I heard stories from my grandfather on my mom's side about how a American, uh, an Italian-American immigrant was drafted to the war in World War II, was held in Nazi concentration camp, and escaped after 45 weeks of being there. That's a story that I heard at the table. I also heard t- stories at the table that would blow your mind. I've been a part of those stories. I've had to have conversations with family members, the I'm sorry's. At the table is where I learned almost 30 years ago, my mom sat with me, held my hand, and said, your dad's not coming home. He was in a a motorcycle accident. It was at the table that I cried. It was at the table that I learned who Jesus really was, in and through the actions of a mother who could only love with her entire heart. It's at the table hearts are broken. It's at the table hearts are mended. But it all starts with family. The second thing with the table is we begin to expand. As we we grow in our family, we start to invite people in. And as we invite them in, we bring them to the table. We might add an extra chair. Um, It still might look pretty. And maybe it's messy, but we start to add people to the table. And then before you know it, the table has outgrown itself. And we have to buy a new table. Maybe it's because the family has grown. Maybe because our friends are coming over more. Maybe it's because our community has grown. And most importantly, maybe it's because the community group is now meeting at our home. We need another table. And so we add leaf upon leaf upon leaf, and we grab chair upon chair upon chair, and we place them right here at the table. It's at the table that we learn to build community. So when we build community, it takes three things. The first thing we do is we have to put time into it. We have to place that as a pinnacle, as a a focus. Time has to be made. We all have to make time. If I only spend an hour a month with my wife, what do you think my relationship is going to look like after a year? That's what it's going to look like, or maybe worse. If I only spend an hour a week with my kids, what do you think is going to happen in eight to ten years? Yep, could be. Exactly what you're thinking. I'm with you. If I only spend 15 minutes at work when I'm supposed to be there 40 hours a week, what do you think is going to happen? I'm not going to have a job after a couple weeks, right? So we have to put time into it. The most important thing you can do when you put time into something is to really do it. You have to commit. That's the effort part. We have to, as followers of Christ, spend time in the Word of God daily. I'm not kidding you guys. I tell this to kids all the time, and I told it to a few uh, students recently, that your phone is not a Bible, okay? It has a Bible app on it, but it is a multifaceted device. This is a Bible, This is the written word of God. And the reason why I say your phone is not a Bible, I'm not condemning you if you use it. I use my Bible app all the time, every single day, and I'm preaching to myself. But you have to get into a Bible because you have to shut the distractions of life off. I guarantee you, the minute that you think that you're you're studying God's word and you're into your Bible, and this is actually a Bible, it's not a phone book, okay? And so you're in your Bible and you're listening and you're reading and you're letting God work on your heart and all of a sudden you get a text message, an alert, or an alarm goes off, you have just lost the message that God was trying to share with you in that moment. And you've got to restart. It is so imperative. It is so important. When you get married, you don't just marry your spouse and then go away and never come back. That's not a relationship. You don't say, I do, and then don't ever. That's not a relationship. You don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and never spend time with him except Sunday mornings. That's not a relationship. That's an ought to. That's an obligation. 
Don't put yourself in an obligation. Spend time with God so that you can spend time with others. Time, effort. And because of your time, because of your effort, you'll see growth. 2 Corinthians 1, chapters 3 and 4. From the New Living Translation says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comforts. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Did you catch that? God comforts us in our times of trouble so that when our friends come to the table and they're troubled, we can give them that same level of comfort. It's about building relationship. It's about building foundation. At the table, we don't just learn to build community. We learn to pray and we learn to receive healing. You see, we're called by the Bible to confess our sins to God for forgiveness. And we're called to confess our sins to our brother or sister for healing. Let me talk a little bit about that scripture with you. So confess our sins to God for forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. When we confess our sins to our friends for healing, James 5.16 through 17 says, Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. And I'm going to come back to that in a second. But whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful and is something to be reckoned with. So when you, when you heard whole and heal, the word whole in Greek is holos. Pretty similar, right? But holos and healing are actually synonymous. So you find wholeness at the table in the relationship that's bound in Jesus Christ. And you find healing at the table when you share your sins and your iniquities and your troubles and your sorrows with your friend. And it's not about opening up a can of worms and telling everybody about what you've done. It's about sharing so that you can pray together, be accountable together, and grow together. The word holos means all together, complete, not alone. And catch this, relieved of infliction. Next, healing leads to wholeness. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. In the light of all this, here's what I want you to do. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing this letter to the, to the church of Ephesus. Very similar to Winter Garden, as if he was writing it to the church at, of hope. The hope church in Winter Garden. Because the church of Ephesus at this time, I'm going to give you a quick Bible lesson, is this. Paul was writing this while he was in prison. And he was in prison because he was a Christ follower. Because he believed in Jesus and was preaching the gospel. He was locked up. And prior to being locked up, Paul had walked through the province of, of Ephesus. And he had walked through there and he had seen the people in the church of Ephesus. And he saw how small this little border town that sat on the water was. And it was a, it was a huge trade town after a couple of years. And Paul all of a sudden realized that all of these people moved in. So think about Winter Garden proper or your hometown. At some point it started with... With usually a church or a pioneer, and then people started moving in. Winter Garden 25 years ago was about 5,000 people. 10 years ago, it was about 25,000 people. And now Winter Garden proper, which we
we call it, goes all the way out to the different county. It's a Lake County. It goes south past Disney and north all the way to Apopka. You're talking 50,000 people that live in that general area. So this is the church of Ephesus when we look at what God was trying to say through Paul. So Paul is writing this to a church that had exploded as far as that area, a town that had gotten huge. And he says, in light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. Run on the road that God has called you to travel. Run. Guys, are you running? Are you walking? Have you even started crawling yet in your relationship with God? He says, I don't want anyone to stroll off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark this, that you do this with humility and discipline. Not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourself out for each other in acts of love and being alert and noticing the differences in life and quickly mending fences. He says that do this together, both outwardly, expressively, and inwardly in spirit. The importance here is that we understand that we're worshiping one God, one master. We're worshiping together as one body, a unified body of Christ. We're worshiping together as a community of believers, we're worshiping together in the language of love and the meal that's being served. And in that healing, we find wholeness. But here's the great part, guys. In wholeness, we find holiness. In wholeness, we find holiness. Matthew 22, 36 through 40 man was asking Jesus, what is the most important commandment of the law of Moses, of the Ten Commandments? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and a second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself, because the entire law of the prophets demands, uh, the, the entire law and the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love God and love people. That's what we stand for at Hope Church, loving all people at all times and all, pay, all places. But we can't do that unless we have the love of God first. So we have wholeness leading to holiness. Wholeness leading to holiness. So here's what I have for you guys. Let me close with this. I want to ask you to take this back with you. I want to ask you to think through some things, especially over the next couple of days. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Don't put it off next week. If you're married, you have a friend, you have a spouse, you're dating someone in here or you're courting, as we call it in old school. If you're courting someone, I want you to talk through this. What is something that you're doing that you could do differently? Now, I don't want you to beat yourself up. That's not what this is about. This is about encouraging you because there's so much more there's so much more than sitting right here and just being okay. Okay, God, I've accepted your son, Jesus Christ, the free gift of salvation because it is by faith through grace or grace through faith that I've accepted this and I can't do anything about it, but I'm just going to say yes to you and going on and continuing to do what you do. Because when you move from this chair, folks, from salvation descent, everything about you should begin to change through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit because of the cross. That should be the change. There shouldn't be who I used to be because Christ came and all things were made new. 
when he came into your heart, he put the old self away and gave you new life. And so if you have that new life, I want you to think about who you're bringing to the table. Of course, we want you to bring him here to Hope Church, but most importantly, who are you talking about Jesus? Who are you showing the love of Christ to in your life? How do you show up at work? How do you show up when you hang out with your friends at school? How do you show up at home? Are you emulating the love of Jesus? Are you serving the dish of love? Are you speaking, living, acting, and inviting through love? If you're not, only you can change that. There's nothing I can do or Pastor Wes can do or Pastor Joel can do. There's nothing any of our leaders can do to get you to that point. You have to make that decision to start living a life sent on mission right where you are. Our community isn't necessarily a city, a town, or a place. Our community is the people that we put around our table. Who are you bringing to the table? If it's only Christ followers, great, you'll grow together. But what are you doing for those who are lost? Because friends, heaven is real, hell is hot, but we don't want anybody to go to hell. It's forever. And the little bit of Jesus that you share with them in that one moment can change their life for eternity. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for me?